to send the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. Kick was down the middle and good! 49ers win it! Two years in a row, we're the number one seed and we lose home playoff games. And obviously, I didn't do enough to win a football game. We only scored 10 points offensively. I, I put that all on myself. I got to be better than that. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You know, these are the type of days that I dream about as a sports radio host, right? Every day my life is waking up and thinking, okay, what are we going to talk about tonight? What's going on? What fun, interesting ways can we discuss this team or that team? My brain's always working, right? Today's great because we could take the show in a million different directions. Of course, the Packers lost on Saturday. We could talk about the 49ers game, and we will a little bit. We could talk about the direction of the franchise and the future. That's fair game. We might go there today. I don't know. We'll see. The Bucks lost last night, and it's Thursday. So normally we do a little NBA stuff. That's on the table. The Badgers basketball team is probably the least interesting topic right now just because they haven't had a huge game in a while, at least since Friday. And they're playing right now. They're going to play Nebraska during the show. So we might even mention them. Oh, and baseball, well, they're in a lockout. That's noteworthy. And the Hall of Fame decisions were made, and, of course, everybody's mad about that. I don't know that there's a topic that's off the table tonight. We're also going to be joined by two awesome guests so I can plug and push their buttons and we can have conversations with them. This is the kind of show that I dream about. Endless possibilities. So let's not waste time. Let's get into it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you had an excellent day so far. It helped that it was like 30 degrees this morning and not minus 20. So I was not immediately upset. And in pain when I walked out of the house this morning. It's weird. It makes a difference. It does. We get used to living here and we think we're tough. And we are. But you give us one 20 or 30 degree day and it's amazing how much you get a little extra positivity. A little extra pep in our step. So I appreciated that today. Although it's snowing right now. So it's going to be below zero tonight. So that's not going to last long. The Badgers are playing right now. They're playing Nebraska. I guess I can give you updates. I don't really want to talk about that game. I want to talk mostly about the Packers today, and we're going to have two guests to help us out. Number one is Mike Clemens. He will join us at 530, as he always does every Thursday, of course. You have that written down just like I do. That's on our schedule. Mike Clemens is going to be here in an hour and a half, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Mike on Tuesday, so we're going to talk about the game. A lot of the discussion on yesterday's show was about Aaron Rodgers and the future, and we were just kicking around different possibilities just kind of for fun. Mike, I think, is going to want to revisit Saturday's game. Well, I don't think. I know because he sent a tweet previewing our conversation. So we're going to revisit the actual game. So if you're sick of the Rodgers drama and you just want to talk about X's and O's, albeit the X's and O's of a loss, we're going to do that at 530. And we'll probably kick around some projections into the future as well. Mike Clements will be here. Nate Myhock of WJFW Newswatch 12 up in Rhinelander is going to be here at 430. Now, he's not going to be here live. I talked to him this afternoon and I tweeted this out at Wisco Grant this afternoon. That's where you can find and follow me on Twitter. We did a draft, and I previewed this on yesterday's show. I was really excited to do this. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't mean to make this an Aaron Rodgers thing. During the Aaron Rodgers era, so 2009 and forward, the Packers have lost in the playoffs 10 times. And I started to think, which losses are the worst? Which are in the middle? Which are the best? And I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's do a draft. Right? I'm going to get a guest, and Nate was perfect for this. He prepared. He took it way too seriously like I knew he would, which I loved. 
We did it this afternoon. I cut up that conversation, and I'm going to play that for you coming up at 4.30. It's funny because we're talking about double-digit losses, and we're trying to decide which ones are more depressing. It's funny, but it's also kind of sad when you sit down and think about it. Oh, yeah, they've lost in the playoffs 10 times, nine of those coming post-Super Bowl, post-2010. It is kind of depressing, but it's a fun way to attack a kind of sad topic. So we're going to do that at 4.30. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can text and call 608-796-2558 on the phone, like a call or a text. Both will work. Now, we're going to do mostly Packers today, but I'm a man of tradition. So we're going to do a quick NBA lounge. Really quick. We're going to get in, get out, and then there's a bunch of football topics I want to get to. I didn't even mention the Vikings or the Bears. They're hiring GMs and coaches, and I think that's interesting and worthy of conversation as well. I have two or three NBA bullet points I want to hit really quickly, and they all relate to the Bucks, either directly or indirectly. It's all Bucks, so we're not talking about the Suns or the Kings today. There's just too much going on, to be honest. And I love NBA, but there's too much going on. So I want to start with the indirect Bucks connection, and then we'll wrap up with the Bucks directly. They lost in Cleveland last night. Deal? Okay. You take a drink of coffee first. Set the set the tone a little bit. Mm. Ah, it's cold. Ah. Oh God, I, I wish I would have done that. Okay, NBA Lounge. I want to ask you a question. If I asked you to name me NBA superstars, get a piece of paper, get a pen, write them down. Whoever comes to mind, right? Who do you think of? Who are you write down first? Of course, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Giannis, but. I think the majority of names that we would scratch down when all is said and done, if you wrote down 10 or 20 or 30, we think of guards. We think of the point guards, the shooting guards, right? Steph, Trey was huge last year, obviously lifted his team into the playoffs. And we talk about Westbrook. He's noteworthy. He's a piece of conversation. John Morant with the Grizzlies. Chris Paul, a lot of people are saying he should be first team NBA. Look at what he's doing with the Suns, even coming off of a championship loss in the NBA Finals. They take deep threes. They get the crazy dunks in transition like Westbrook and John Morant. They sell jerseys. I was looking at the top 15 jersey sellers today. John Morant, Clay Thompson, Dame Lillard, LaMelo Ball, all in the top 15. Now, Ja's on a winning team. The Grizzlies have been really good, but Clay's been missing for two years. Dame's out with a back injury, right? LaMelo Ball, or Clay is playing. Dame is out with a back injury. LaMelo Ball's team is is exciting, but, but fine. We love guards, right? We love them. Love to talk about them. They're flashy. We love to play as them in 2K. Guards are great. Don't get me wrong. But there's so many of them. Look around the NBA right now. You know who's running the league? You know who's winning games, leading their team to wins and and good spots in the standings? Bigs. Bigs. It's bigs. Now, that doesn't mean that the top pick every year in the draft is going to be a center. There once upon a time... You go back in NBA history, the topic was always a center. Of course, you'd take a center. That's why Greg Oden went high. Remember, the Bucks took Andrew Bogut. The Clippers, once upon a time, took Michael Oluwakandi. Why? Because you default to the center. That's what you do. That's what's safe. That's what logic has always dictated in the NBA. And that's changed a little bit. But for the most part, centers or modern bigs like Giannis, a little different, but a center at heart. Those modern bigs and centers today, they impact the game at a higher level than a small point guard. Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, all top four in MVP odds. The one guard that's in that batch is Steph. And Steph isn't even playing all that well right now. He was early on, and we love Steph, and obviously he's very popular, and his team is winning. But Steph isn't playing a great brand of basketball, at least individually right now. Still helping his team win, but Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, top three in MVP odds as we speak. Ja and Kevin Durant not far behind. It's Biggs. They can defend. 
they can force a defense to adjust to them, right? Like Giannis forced a team in Toronto to build an entire defense based around him. Entirely. They built the wall, right? Which is essentially double team, triple team, quadruple team, right? You you need to scheme defenses for Embiid. Jokic impacts the game everywhere because he can make every pass. He can make every shot. He's ridiculous, right? Bigs are much more impactful, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end too. Have we seen, by the way, what Joel Embiid is doing? I actually like him. I actually like the Sixers right now, which is bizarre because I haven't really cheered for the Sixers ever the last couple of years. They've been a rival for the Bucs. And maybe that's because they're not really a rival of the Bucs right now or just not really that close to the postseason, which also helps, I think. Have you seen what Joel Embiid is doing? It's stupid. And I've been pulling for him because this dude has had nothing but rotten luck his entire career. If you are an NBA fan and you enjoy this segment every week, I would recommend that you go listen to Bill Simmons' pod that came out yesterday. He starts the podcast with this long monologue outlining the career of Joel Embiid and comparing it to the career of Hakeem. It's fascinating. Embiid wasn't born in America, came here, didn't start playing basketball until a very young age. He's drafted into a team that's in shambles. And then they spend top picks with Jaleel Okafor and Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. And none of those picks work. And it's Joel Embiid. And he's been the one guy who's fought through injuries and fought through so many things. And now Ben Simmons doesn't want to play. Oh, great. And Daryl Moore doesn't want to trade him because he can't get a superstar in return. Meanwhile, Embiid is just basically going, all right, fine. I'll do it myself. These are the last couple games. Ready? This is nuts. 38 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. 40 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. 50 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists. 32, 8 and 1, 32, 12 and 3, 25, 13 and 6, 31, 6 and 3, 31, 8 and 6. I could keep going and going and going. He hasn't scored under 31 points in the month of January outside of a 25, 13 and 6 game. It was the last time. The last time he scored under 20 was middle of December when he had 17, 14, and 5. Still a pretty good game. Competitive game they lost at home to Miami. Joel Embiid is doing stupid things. Watch him. And I want Ben Simmons to come back or I want them to trade Ben Simmons for someone worthwhile because this man needs help. He weighs a million pounds. He's 7'1", 7'2". This ain't going to last forever. Sixers got to give him some help. It's been so much fun to watch him. Embiid, along with Jokic and Giannis showing us the value of a great center or a, a, a modern center because Giannis wouldn't have been a center, you know, or maybe he would have been a center back in the day, but we've rethought the position of bigs just a little bit. Giannis and Jokic have both won MVPs. Embiid is showing us right now that he might win an MVP because why not? You want more evidence about how bigs are running this league and producing winning basketball? Look at the game last night that the Bucks played. I don't want to bring this game into the equation. They lost in Cleveland 115-99. to This game never really felt close. The Bucks jumped out to like a 10-2 to lead or whatever, and then it was all Cavs the rest of the way. And yes, the Cavs shot the lights out. They shot 45% from three. And Chetty Osmond and Kevin Love had weird outlier nights from threes. Yeah. But the Cavs are 30-19 and and in a great spot in the East and beating the Bucks, who had Giannis and Chris and Drew all ready to go last night in a really important game. And the Cavs won rather casually, rather easily. They cruised at home because Evan Mobley is a stud. Their rookie, he's 20, and he's making a huge impact on these games. He's not putting the screws to Giannis. No one can really shut down Giannis. But Giannis had issues last night. 
Giannis had 26 points, but he was 7 of 13 from the field. He got 11 of those points from the free throw line. That's a really tough night. Evan Mobley, who's 20, and Jared Allen, who's obviously very young as well. Cavs got bigs. And I like Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio was playing really good as a backup point guard, as a bench guy too. But watching last night's game, yeah, it was a bummer to watch the Bucs get beat up as a Bucs fan. That sucked. Because I'm thinking, man, I don't know how they deal with a team like Cleveland, at least without Brooke Lopez or getting some center help or obviously a much better game plan than they had last night. As an NBA fan, this is amazing because Cleveland is nuts. Cleveland is so good. Darius Garland is playing really well in the absence of Colin Sexton. I wonder if that kind of changes their future plans on how they handle Colin Sexton and maybe if they trade him. I I certainly can't imagine they're going to pay him after what they've seen this year. So Darius Garland is a star. Kevin Love's actually playing a okay brand of basketball. Maybe they can trade him. But Allen, Mobley, Isaac Okoro, this team's really, really good. And they're doing it kind of creatively. They don't have one supernova guard like the Hawks do. They don't have one guy that's driving and kicking. They have this complete team. And I really like Evan Mobley. Dude's going to be a player in the Eastern Conference for a long time. And really instrumental in holding his own and maybe not defending, but playing a role defending against Giannis and Joel Embiid. And if they play in the West, obviously you got Jokic and Gobert and these other bigs. Who knows what DeAndre Ayton may or may not turn into. It's really cool to watch the Cavs. And it sucks that the Bucks lost last night, but that Cavs team is legit. They're 30 and 19 and they're only going to keep getting better because they're really young. And that's cool. That's really cool because that franchise outside of LeBron the last 20 or 30 years really hasn't been all that relevant. Cavs beat them up last night. They beat the Bucks up. And Giannis, Chris, Drew, all played. Yeah, they didn't have Grayson Allen. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. That Cavs team is good. Bucks have some work to do. And I don't think they're taking the season too seriously right now. Giannis showed up in his presser with a bucket of wings. It's whatever. He's probably hungry, but there's some players in the East now. Cavs aren't a joke. And that's cool, but that's an issue for the Bucks. They're going to have to work out. That's the NBA Lounge. Really short and sweet today because I have a lot of football topics I want to get to, like the Packers losing Nathaniel Hackett to the Denver Broncos this morning. Let's talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. quick NBA lounge to open up the show today. A lot of football things to get to. Two excellent guests, including my buddy Nate Myhawk from WJFW. He'll be here in 10 minutes. We're going to draft the worst Packers playoff losses in the Aaron Rodgers era. But I'm a man of tradition. I'm a man of regiment. So I wanted to get our NBA lounge in today because I know people look forward to it. And then there's some of you that hate it, but expect it anyways. So it's really (laughs) like... We're all dealing with it one way or another. Chuck texted in, and this is what I tweeted about last night at Wisco Grant, so I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Chuck. It says, I don't think we can make any moves by the deadline that mean anything. Chuck wants an extra big. Last night showed maybe why that's necessary. Got killed on the boards against Cleveland. He says, though, just to get it in there, Dante sucks, though. Deal him for a bag of chips or a couple of spare balls. <laughs> Dante, man, I don't know. I, I want to talk to a basketball coach about Dante. Because when I watch him, he just doesn't always seem like he has a great idea of where he's going, what he's doing. What was his final line last night? Can't even find him in the box score. Dante DiVincenzo, nine points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, four turnovers. It's the turnovers for me. And the Bucs as a team had 19. So they had a horrid night turning the ball over. 
but there are aggressive turnovers. Like if Chris is trying to make an outlet pass to Giannis down the floor on a fast break, okay, you turn the ball over, fine. I remember LeBron bringing that up a couple of years ago. You know, not all turnovers are created equal. You know, some are born out of aggression, which I agree. I don't know what Dante's turnovers are. He gets the ball and he's like, well, I'm going to wave it around, try a fake, do this and that, and, and then ends up, you know, losing the ball or throwing it away or whatever. I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know with Dante sometimes. So I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving him away for a bag of chips as, uh, <laughs> as this guest or not this guest, but as Chuck implied, but I, I see where you're coming from. He's very frustrating. My name is Grant Bills. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can text and call the show 608-796-2558. I want to talk about the Packers. I woke up a little late this morning and I saw the news that Nathaniel Hackett has gone to the Denver Broncos. So the Packers offensive coordinator, albeit the offensive coordinator under an offensive head coach, has gone to Denver. He's taking that job. Okay. I want to address this from two angles. Um, First, the angle that excludes Aaron Rodgers. Let's pretend that Aaron Rodgers is 27 and he's not leaving Green Bay. And Denver wanted to hire Nathaniel Hackett solely on the merit of his track record as an offensive coordinator in Green Bay for the last three years, right? If that's the case, and this has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers, I actually think it's a fine hire. I think it's better than Fangio. It's better than Vance Joseph. It's better than Dan Quinn. It's better than some retread or kind of milk toast defense guy. They need offense. The Broncos play in a division with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. And I said this maybe on Monday or Tuesday. If Derek Carr is the third best quarterback in your division, you need to aim a little higher. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't expect to come into a season and, well, you know, if this and that goes right, we might have a shot. No, 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 no. You need, you need more than that. You need more than this, that, and the other thing to go correctly. You need to be a really good team if you want to win this division at any point over the next 10 years. So the Broncos need to hire with ceiling in mind. They need, to, they need to think big. What could we be at our best? And I think Hackett is a good hire for that. He's energetic. He's got juice. And the Broncos, the last couple of years, under defensive-minded head coaches, felt a little old-fashioned. Maybe the same way that the Bears did. The Bears got their head coach today. They hired Eberflus from Indy and I actually really like that hire. It's not offensive, but I, I like it um, for reasons that maybe we'll talk about in the second half of the show. I want to talk about the Vikings new GM too. Hackett is energetic. He's got juice. And I think he'll bring a, a new zest to Denver, which they desperately need in a really, really competitive division. Now here's Jesse Palmer this morning on NFL network with some details on how this went down. Okay. He gave a nice report, and I'm going to play this off of Twitter because I forgot to save it. So I'm sorry. I got to pull it up here. He did a hit on I don't I don't know if this is Good Morning Football or it's some NFL Network show describing the process with which they brought in Nathaniel Hackett. And there's one tiny little excerpt in here that I want to focus on. Here's Jesse Palmer. Hey, and that may keep me at my home in Denver a little bit more if we're going to talk about those rumors throughout the offseason. So I know my family probably wouldn't mind. But this coaching search in Denver, and there's been a lot of them over the last several years, was different than the ones in the past. John Elway, really not a part of this. Joe Ellis, their CEO, who's going to be stepping away, and I'll get to ownership in a moment. He really not a part of this. It really was George Payton's show, and he was extremely thorough and how he went about his business and you saw Ian talk about the timetable he was really just buying his time and continuing to go through the process planning conversations like Ian said with Kevin O'Connell and Dan Quinn but until he saw dominoes potentially start to fall that's when he made the move and the move that he wanted to make in Nathaniel Hackett well how did he win this job I was told directly this morning it's because 
Okay, so that's basically all we needed to get to. He said, he goes on to say, and I don't, we can move on. He goes on to say that, oh, he had a great plan for defense, offense, special teams, all these different things. And that's fine. I think he's a solid hire. But as it pertains to Rodgers, this is a very NBA-like move, right? They're thinking down the line. How can we get Rodgers? I weirdly think that's the best plan for the Broncos. I wonder, I wonder if the Broncos would be hiring Hackett if the Packers hadn't have lost on Saturday. If the Packers were still in the dance and Aaron Rodgers is happy in Green Bay and maybe retiring or sticking around, Maybe they would have gone a different direction. It was this part of that interview that really made me listen. Listen to this one more time. It really was George Payton's show, and he was extremely thorough in how he went about his business. And you saw Ian talk about the timetable. He was really just buying his time and continuing to go through the process, planning conversations, like Ian said, with Kevin O'Connell and Dan Quinn. But until he saw dominoes potentially start to fall, that's Hmm. when he made the move and the move that he wanted to make Hmm. in Nathaniel Hackett. So is he saying dominoes falling is in other coaches starting to get hired, like in Chicago? Or is, is, did he want to see the Packers lose? Do you want to see what happened with Aaron Rodgers? It's very interesting to me and something that we'll talk more about as the show goes along. However, I want to take a break so we can get to Nate Myhock. I recorded this conversation earlier this afternoon, and it's awesome. It's interesting. It's reflective. We are drafting, therefore ranking, all 10 of the Rodgers-era Packers playoff losses, and it's fascinating. I had a great time, and I want to share that conversation with you. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an outstanding day. Mike Clements is going to be here in one hour. We're going to talk about Saturday's game, of which Mike was in attendance. He covered that game, the last game of the Packers season. The end of an era, perhaps. We'll see. I'm interested to hear what Mike thinks. He's not normally as sensationalist as I am. A little bit less dramatic. So he'll be here in an hour. Right now, I'm going to play for you an interview that I recorded this afternoon. And it was an idea I had yesterday. My buddy Nate Myhock, WJFW Newswatch up in Rhinelander, who I went to school with, used to work here with me on Z93 and a couple other stations. This was the perfect topic for him. Because I asked him, hey, let's get together. Let's do a draft. We'll go back and forth picking the worst playoff games in the Aaron Rodgers era. And I knew he would take it way too seriously and put a bunch of time into it just like I would, which is why he was perfect for this. So here it is, our draft of the 10 playoff games. Which ones are worse? We both tried to make the worst possible team. Here's my conversation with Nate. Nate Myhock is here. WJFW, that's Newswatch 12 up in the Northwoods. We had a guest from Rhinelander last week. Hunter Baumgart was here. Now we have Nate. Nate, how are you? It's been so long. You know, uh, I'm trying not to freeze to death up here. It's been, I think, below 10 degrees every day for the past two weeks. Uh, so it's been rough, but we're brutal. making it through. So, you know, we're uh, we're thriving. And, you know, I'm glad the Packers are doing well because <laughs> it's just really something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're doing this topic. It really is something that just brings me so much joy. I was doing a little prep last night for this. I was just, you know, six or seven hours. I was only up till one or two in the morning getting, getting ready for this, something like that. And uh, something I realized... These Packers playoff losses, there are so many. It's almost like I'm looking back through the albums of one of my favorite artists. Like, I know you love Mac Miller. So maybe you'll mm-hmm. you'll get this connection where I'm looking back at this game that happened, you know, 10 years ago and thinking, oh, I remember what my life was like then. And I remember what this meant to me then and what it means to me now. It's kind of messed up. I'm not going to lie. It's funny, and but it's kind of messed up. It, it, it's a little weird because I'm, I was kind of looking back at some of these games too and trying to get, you know, into that frame of mind or like, all right, what was I going through at this point in time? 
Where was I watching this game? What was my expectation level entering said game? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's weird because it's not something like, oh, yeah, I remember listening to that song. It was a great summer day. We were sitting on the boat or something. <laughs> it's always like, oh, yeah, this was depressing. Well, this day was slightly more, uh, slightly more depressing, so that was fun. Yeah. And, and you just keep going down the list, and you're like, this sucks. And some of these games this. have gotten more depressing as time goes on. Like, there's certain songs or albums that I look back on, like, oh, I didn't appreciate that at the time. You know, I, I right. think way highly of that song now. And it's just kind of messed up that we can think of these playoff games in the same reference. I figured, to be fair, we do this in kind of a snake draft. So the first pick gets to go, and then the second picker gets the next two games, and then we'll alternate. You have a coin. Okay. Would you like me I to do. call, and you can toss? Yeah, I can call. Do you trust me to flip this coin? I, absolutely, I trust you. There's yeah. enough horrible playoff losses where there's, there's no real bad options. I'm always a heads guy. I always go heads. Okay. Oh, yeah, you got heads. You know what? You, I'll go second. Okay. I feel like number one is such an obvious choice. Yeah. I don't need the generational talent at 1-1. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll stack back. up my team for uh, better success down the road. That's a very good point. There's there's lots of good options here. This this draft, I think, is three, te- three games deep. Uh, number one has to be 2014. I think we agree on that. I was unwilling yeah. to tell you that last night because I didn't want to give away my strategy. But with the first pick of our Aaron Rodgers horrible playoff loss draft, I'm going to take 2014. And I think we've talked about this game plenty, and we know why this game sucks, because there's five or six things throughout this game where if you go back and just change one, the Packers were in a Super Bowl. Packers win. Yeah, and that's that sucks. That's heart-wrenching, and we've talked about that for years. But as this game has aged, and I keep thinking about it as years pass and I get older, as we were talking about like we do with music, this game literally changed how I watch sports. Like, I became a different watcher of sports after this game. And last night I was thinking of the movie Christmas Vacation, which we watched over the holidays, obviously. And there's that scene with the sled where Cousin Eddie's talking about the plate in his head, where, like, every time he stands next to the microwave, like, he pees his pants and forgets who he is. Like, that's 2014 to me. Like, whenever this game comes up, like, something triggers in my brain. Or whenever my team is leading and I start to get hopeful, I think... Well, what if what happens in 2014 happens? It's literally changed how I watch sports. Like it's it's Pavlovian this game. I've seen the uh, the absolute bottom of the barrel. I yeah. know how bad things can get. Yeah, and I think I know I've told you this before, but I'll just share this story again. This was a game. I'm I'm the same way. Where this game actually changed the way that I became a sports fan and like a Packer fan in general. Um, and I've told people this who aren't sports fans, and they look at me like I am insane. But truly, I remember walk off touchdown. Seahawks win. They're going to the Super Bowl. I remember watching this game in my living room. My whole family, we just stood up. You know, we all just sort of went our separate ways to our own room or wherever else in the house. Mm-hmm. There, you could have heard a pin drop for the next two hours Stunned. throughout the entire household. Just nobody was talking. And I was in a very bad state of mind for two weeks. Like, I was just in a bad mood. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't let games get like this, you know, get me down like this uh, ever yeah. again. So it's changed the way I have viewed sports yeah. moving forward. Maybe I don't like sports that much. I remember asking myself that after 2014. So that's yeah. pick number one. I think that was pretty clear. I'm interested to see where you go with two and with three and the order in which you pick these games. So, Nate, you are on the clock with pick okay. number two of our Aaron Rodgers playoff loss draft. Two and three are really interchangeable okay. for me. Okay. And I don't know where, where your opinion is starting on this or where you stand, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go number two, the 2021 divisional playoff game against the 49ers from Saturday night. Ooh, okay. So we're going to differ here. I had a different game here. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll explain why. Give me your All right. There's been, I've been looking back at a lot of the playoff games, and you can at least kind of point to some and say, well, Rodgers played well. 
other other the defense let them down. The you know if well if they didn't let Colin Kaepernick run for two hundred and eighty gazillion yards, yeah, uh, you know Rodgers played well that game. Whatever this game though, truly, truly felt like Rodgers just really cracked the bed to use a, a more family friendly yeah. term here. Back to back NFC title game appearances. Rodgers is unhappy. He wants out. Oh my God! The the sky is falling. This team is over. No, oh, hold on, hold on. Looks like we're gonna have him around. Looks like you know, fixing his relationship with the front office. All right, maybe things will be okay. And he starts put, playing more and more at an MVP level. He's looking like the best quarterback in the league at this point. You're feeling the Bucks are injured. They've beaten the Rams before. Yeah, they got the Niners. They all play Jimmy G, and it's ten degrees at Lambeau Field. All right, like, come on, buddy. you're buying in. You're buying this in. This is this is the year. Like, you got to do it. You, you you go out on top here. If you want to leave Green Bay, I'm fine with that. Not only is this a letdown game, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers plays maybe his worst playoff game in his entire career. Yeah, in you, my opinion, you said that he pooped the bed in this game. I think what's so frustrating is he didn't even have to play well. He could have peed the bed Ooh. and they could have won, but he pooped the bed. He he like he could have just played just mildly bad. But he, he dumped the bed. He could have peed the bed, and they still would have won this game. It's one of those things where you get food poisoning, and you run to the bathroom because you have to throw up, and you oh. don't make it, and you go in the hallway, which is, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Oh, what's that? Hardwood floors. It wipes right off. Yeah. Hey, you can still move on. We can recover from that. That's no, he, he absolutely <laughs> blew this game, and yeah, he was terrible. Got it on the carpet and the baseboards. Okay, so number two, and I agree with you, by the way. The game went out with a whimper. It wasn't some dramatic yeah. flare finish to rip your heart out, but it was the weight of everything that led up to this game that I think made it so right. bad. I did a different spot, but not far off. I think you look at the list of playoff losses in his career. This one, to me, is truly, I know this sounds dumb to say, but this one felt more like the Packers lost than it did the Niners won. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where they just they gift-wrapped the, gift this game to Shanahan and Jimmy G. And it's like, this is how the season's going to end? Like, really? This this can't be week six in mm-hmm. October? At home. You're like, this is annoying, but whatever. No, this is how a potential era of a Hall of Fame quarterback is going to come to an end. That might be one that, that keeps you awake for years and years down the line. So we're up to number three, and you also have pick number three. I, I'm thinking we swapped these two games, but you are now on the clock with okay. number three of our Aaron Rodgers playoff loss draft. I, we don't have to go back too far for my number three. I'm going last year, 2020, yeah. championship game against the Buccaneers. We swapped them, that's, yeah. That's my number three. The year before, Rodgers is sitting there saying, we got to get one of these at home. We finally get one of them one at of home. Them. Tom Brady, the GOAT, gives you three interceptions. You're the league MVP, best offense in football, and you do nothing with those? I don't know. I said the Monday after this game last year when I did my show that that 2021 game against the Bucs, it was a 2020 season, but it was played in 2021. It was very similar to the 2014 game. It just presented in a different order where the Packers didn't jump out to a lead and then slowly blew it, but they fell behind and almost came back. And then at the end of the game, you're like, wait a minute. And you're looking back. We, we should have won this game. Like, if just Kevin King doesn't give up that touchdown, or just if Aaron right. Jones doesn't fumble. If you just take one of those things away, very similar to 2014, it just didn't present in such a dramatic way. But the frustrating part about this game is there are some games where you, you look back and say, eh, they just didn't have it, you know, that day. They didn't play too well. Yeah. But this game, truly, they didn't even need to play perfectly. No. They just needed to play okay, and they would have won that game. It's In a way, it's similar to the game... On, on Saturday against yeah. the 49ers. Like, granted, Tampa Bay was a really, really good team last year, had a really good defense. They were playing the best football at any team yeah. at that point. It wasn't a blowout by any means. That would have been better. I would have been fine if they had gotten 
just waxed. waxed. Well, and I think no, they, they, they've gotten blown out, and I think those games are yet to come up. We're ranking those lower for another reason. This is where I think things start to get interesting. I am now on the clock at four. I'm going to select with the fourth pick in our terrible Aaron Rodgers playoff draft. Um, I'm going to take 2012 versus San Francisco, which was played in 2013. Really? So the 2012 game, 2012 season, um, where Kyle Kaepernick ran for 181 yards and two touchdowns. For starters, and I think you'll appreciate this line of thinking, I just really hate that 49ers team. Looking back at the roster, Frank Gore, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, Alden Smith. I almost even forgot Harbaugh was there until I rewatched mm-hmm. a little bit of this game last night. But they also did so many stupid things in this game. They muffed a punt up 14-7 to on their own five-yard line. Remember Jeremy Ross, the guy they drafted from Cal that was supposed to fix their special teams? This is 10 years ago and obviously never did. Tied 14-14, Rodgers on third and seven, throws into double coverage to Jordy down the seam. And I tweeted that clip last night. What, what is that? Mm-hmm. What was that? Play? That is called foreshadowing. Yeah, no, seriously. The other play that I wanted to point out, they're down 14, 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. The score is 38-24. And they punted on fourth and five from their own 46-yard line. No one would do that in 2021. That would be asinine. You're punting the game away. And that punt came after San Fran went on an eight-play, 90-yard, five-minute touchdown drive. You just gave the game away. That game has to be up there because it lives in legend, too. We always remember the game Kaepernick ran all over the Packers, and it sucks. Mm -hmm. So that's why I went there for number four. I had that one a a lot further down on my list. But I I get what you're saying. At the time, that game definitely pissed me off, especially with the way they let Kaepernick yeah. run all over the team. I, I, it's embarrassing. He said a pull-off record. I, I should look. I should have looked it up, but I don't remember the exact number. That game at the time really peeved me off. Yeah. Um, and I, I originally I had it ranked a little bit higher, but then kind of well, looking so back, bad ones. you know, in, in <laughs> retrospect, yeah. in retrospect, I'm sitting here thinking like, you know what? See, you're listing off all those names uh, from that. Niners roster. Oh, that, that Niners team actually was kind of loaded. They were a good team. Harbaugh, yeah, I'm not the biggest Harbaugh guy in the world, um, and that's a little that's tough in retrospect. But the, I've always felt like that Niner team was very, very good. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, they, were, they were maybe the hottest team in football that season. And the way the Packers kind of got the doors blown off by Kaepernick running for 500 yards, yeah, that sucks. But you could argue that that Niners team was better than Green Bay. Oh, I can live yeah. with that loss. I think for me it was the way in which that game went down and they were embarrassed. Mm-hmm. We can go a little bit faster as we get down the line. So that was my number four. You're now on the clock at number five, correct, in our okay. Aaron Rodgers draft. Nate, my My number line. five. See, this one I flip-flopped a lot on, okay. but I'm gonna, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on it. I'm going the 2015 divisional game against the Cardinals. I had that at five. Yep. So we're talking about, you know, the classic, the fourth and 20 play to, to Janice, the Hail Mary to, uh, I think, that, yeah, to Janice again as time basically expired. The, I have such a weird relationship with this game because as even though it was a loss, a playoff loss, mm-hmm. it was still some of like my favorite memories of ever watching the Packers that Very I somehow weird. had this weird positive experience with the game. But at the same time, it still obviously upsets me because I'm like, well, they almost knocked off the Cardinals. Uh, I think they were the one. Were they the one? No, they're the two. Seed Cardinals were the two because the Panthers were the, were the number one. Panthers were the one. Yeah. Well, here's the question I have for you. And maybe it's best that we view this game as a novelty for entertainment sake and mm-hmm. not like what could have been if the Packers won because Carolina beat Arizona 49 to 15 in the yeah, championship game. They would have game. gotten smoked. The Packers Carolina. got crushed, remember, by Denver and Arizona in the regular season that year. Yeah. If they won that game, would anything really be different in the grand scheme? Of no. Things? I don't think so. That's kind of why I, I flip-flopped on that one so much. Okay, so we have to do six through ten. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. Uh, I will have pick number six in our horrendous Aaron Rodgers playoff loss draft. We'll be right back. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Coming up in a few minutes, I want to talk more about Nathaniel Hackett leaving the Packers. What that means for, obviously, Matt LaFleur's staff moving forward, but maybe the future of Aaron Rudd? Maybe? Just maybe? I don't know. We'll kick it around. It'll be fun. Bears have a new head coach. The Vikings have a new GM. I think both hires are really interesting, and I want to talk about them both. But first, we got to finish our Aaron Rodgers draft. Nate Myhock is here from WJFW, so let's get to picks 6 through 10. So we're back with Nate Myhock. We're doing our Aaron Rodgers playoff loss draft. There's 10 of them, so we're counting 2009, even pre-Super Bowl, um, because that game's kind of fun. It's a fun wild card to throw in this draft. Game. So we're trying to draft the worst losses, so we're getting progressively less painful. I'm up with pick number six. My draft board has fallen basically identically to how we've gone. I flipped a couple of these. Number six for me is the 2019 loss in San Francisco, the blowout loss. Mm. I struggled to choose between this one and 2016 because they're so similar. I think this one was worse because it happened again. And we're sitting there thinking, oh, God, it's happening again. And I think that made it worse because we had already suffered this once. Also, Jimmy G threw eight times. And that that's just extra pain. Like when the you said the Niners in 2013, much better than the Packers. That team went to the Super Bowl. They might have deserved it. But it was an extra twist of the knife when Kaepernick ran for 181. The Niners were definitely mm-hmm. better than the Packers in 2019. But Jimmy G only had to throw eight times. And that's an extra level yeah. of embarrassment that I I took a little personally. I didn't like it. And that's why it's a little bit higher than some of these other playoff losses. That's number six for me. See, and this is a game where if it didn't take place in 2019 and instead took place in 1989, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be a lot more respectable. And also because social media wouldn't have existed and True. I wouldn't have had to watch the memes of, <laughs> lol, uh, Jimmy G threw eight times. They beat the Packers by 80. Yeah. This is how this is how Nebraska fans feel, by the way, when Wisconsin, I, I call it on my show, I say when Wisconsin goes Bo Pelini and they just hand the ball off every time because they know the other team can't stop it for like 15 yards of carry. It sucks. It sucks when a team does that to you. And that's why I think 2019 sticks in my craw more than some of these other games. So that's where I went with number six. You were on the clock, my friend, Nate Myhock at number seven. All right. This is another one where at the time, I, I don't think it really sunk in until later, but I'm going to go 2013. Wild card game against the 49ers. And I understand this might be a bit of a reach. Huge discrepancy here. This is overdrafted from my board. Big time. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But here's what I'm picturing. All right, because this is the year Rodgers. This is collarbone uno Uno. for Rodgers, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, somehow Matt Flynn keeps this team treading water for 10 weeks. King. Yeah. Mad respect to Matt Flynn, by the way. Somehow keeps this, this team above water. They get to the final week of the regular season. Guess who's back? Aaron Rodgers. Great game, by the way. I go back and regularly watch the highlights from that 2013 uh, Bears-Packer game all the time. Fantastic game. That's the top block Fourth and eight. Yeah. Fourth and eight. Yep. Great call. Division winner. You're feeling good. You're thinking, wow, this team, maybe they they got a little swagger back. They got a little mojo. Well, who's coming to town? The 49ers, the team that beat them last year, the Revenge. team that went to the Super Bowl a year ago. Revenge is on the mind. They got to come to Lambeau. I don't know if you remember this also, but it was brutally cold, cold at Lambeau that day. So at this point in time, Lambeau still has the mystique, the frozen tundra. Like, you know, you're not going to come in here when it's two degrees and beat the Packers. No, God, no. 
And they and granted again a very <laughs> a very good Forty Nine er team, yeah. and uh, Green Bay didn't play that well. Mike Hyde uh, dropped a game winning pick six. Of course, they go down and, and beat him on a walk off field goal. Nate, I'm not gonna lie, uh, that was last on my list. That was the last really? one I had. Yeah, and I'm not hating you. Well, I don't know. Am I hating you for it? I, I don't know. It, it's interesting the way you set it up because Aaron Rodgers was coming back. We had high hopes. I, I like how you set it up. I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the game itself maybe isn't too heartbreaking. I think just everything around it was heartbreaking. It felt like, oh, you know what? They're going to they're gonna go on a little run here. A little mojo's back. That's a great point. We're on to pick number seven. Or was that seven? We're on pick some number. We're yeah. on pick some number. The next yep. game that I had on my draft board was 2016 at Atlanta. I prioritize these NFC championship games a little bit more because the stakes are higher, right? These are games to go to the Super right, Bowl. Okay, okay. So, so those losses are going to be weighed more for me. I don't think this was the most painful loss. It was like a bullet to the head. It was over very quickly. Now, yeah, obviously, right. we sat there and didn't enjoy it, but it, it, was, it wasn't dramatic. It didn't have a flair that ripped our heart out at the end. And it had higher stakes than 2013 or 2011 or 2009, which are games that we're going to get to, I would imagine, here in a minute or two. I, I just can't emphasize this part enough, which is why I, I really hate this game. This team is disgusting. I hated this roster. Ladarius Gunter, who we talk about all the time, but like there are two, there are two pass rushers. Highly paid pass rushers were Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. That's gross. Rodgers was the leading rusher in this game. They had Ty Montgomery and Aaron Ripkowski. It's just a gross team, and I don't like it. I didn't like the roster. I never did. Um, so that's why I have this one. I don't know if this is seven or eight or where the hell we are, but that's why I have this one a little bit higher. See, I actually had this one dead last for me because when I was looking back, my lasting, my lasting memory of this game was Julio Jones catching a crossing route and taking it 70 yards and burying Ladarius Gunter into the turf yeah. with a nasty stiff arm. Yeah. That is legitimately just burned into my brain. And then I think about it and I go, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Not that upset about it. Of course. All right, so you are next on the clock. I believe we have three more, or do we have two more? I think we have two more. Two more. I'm all right, doing my to math town. correctly. Go to town. So. All right, my my I guess the second my, my last pick. Yep, I'm going the 2011 divisional game against the New York Giants. Okay, this is the 15 and one year. Rodgers is MVP. Had arguably one of the best quarterbacking seasons of all time up to this point. Um, I understand a lot of people are upset because they felt this team is going to go back to the Super Bowl. They're going to repeat. They're going to start a dynasty here in Green Bay. My biggest issue with this team. That team, had they even won that game, mm-hmm. would have lost the NFC Championship game. You think so? I think that defense was so bad, especially they lost Nick Collins really early on. They kept giving up so many yards. Why were they so this bad, was, though? They, they had so many of the same pieces from the Super Bowl year. It's, it's so weird, but it I think no it's the Dom Capers, like his whole philosophy of like, we're just going to get turnovers, and then teams realize, well, hey, if we don't turn the ball over (laughs) if we don't make these risky throws like there's guys open all over the place we don't play caleb haney like i hate to subtract from that super bowl run but it Uh, needs to be mentioned but yeah you lose arguably one of the better safeties in the league that is a big hole uh, in the secondary especially the guy who was so good at getting those turnovers it's like ball hawk yeah that defense had so many holes they would have gotten i i truly don't think that team was a super bowl champion they could outscore anybody don't get me wrong but if, they didn't. And I, I I actually predicted a loss that game because I was like, well, the Giants can slow the Packers enough on offense. It doesn't matter who the defense is playing. They're going to give up points. So as long as 
the other team can just slow down the Packers a little bit, yeah. they'll win the game. I had that so game that, ninth. My final two were 2011 and 2013. So I'm getting a little bit of a budget, at least comped to my draft board relative to where I had these mm-hmm. games. My final pick will be 2009 at Arizona. And I, I realize right. in weight, this game wasn't that massive. It was Aaron Rodgers' second year as a starter. They still had a lot in front of them. They hadn't won a Super Bowl yet. It was the way that it went down. You know, yeah, that's yeah. that's what makes this game sting a little bit more than 2013 or 2011. Teams are the number one seed, and they come off the bye a little rusty all the time. We see that. I mean, you saw it this year with two teams in the divisional round, and we saw it with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. But at that 2019 game, they gave up 50 points. You know, you know, and like, did they win the coin toss in overtime? I don't even remember. Did they? Yeah, because they got the ball first. They got the ball. They did get the ball first. It wasn't off a punt. Yeah, because I remember he didn't. He missed Jennings like sixty yards down the field yeah. or won the game. Yeah. And then like two plays later is the strip sack. For the me, reason I had that one yeah, so low is just because he was so early on, and you're like, well, he can at least hang around in the playoffs. He's not going to turtle. Throw it away. Not too worried about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. This was fun, and I'm going to make a little graphic, yes. and we're going to tweet out these answers. You were on Twitter, at Nate Myhock. You can find his stuff, WJFW. What kind of stories are you covering this week? I'm curious. What are you doing tonight um, this weekend? Well, if you if you tune in to WJFW, you will see my beautiful mug um, anchoring the news lately. I'm not even working sports right now, anchoring the news. That's right. You told me about that. So you're doing serious issues. I'm doing very sports. serious topics. So you can just picture me talking about, you know, the Ukrainian crisis and uh, <laughs> inflation, COVID numbers, you know, things that people definitely look to me uh, to be, you know, uh, a, a guiding light in these dark times. Well, I look to I you for that. our uh, Aaron Rodgers draft, and I appreciate the time, Nate. Uh, I want to have you back sometime. This is fun. Thanks. They should do it once or twice, huh? I hope we don't have to do this again in 20 years. We get another great quarterback, lose a bunch of other playoff games. <laughs> There's 10 of them. How bizarre is that? It's truly like looking back through all the albums of your favorite artist and revisiting them and how they make you feel. It's weird. Thanks to Nate Myhock for the time. Let's get an update from Zach Heilprin. Come back, talk about some changes with the Packers. More on the offseason coming up next. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. To send the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. Kick was down the middle and good! 49ers win it! Two years in a row where you're the number one seed and you lose home playoff games. And obviously I didn't do enough to win a football game. We only scored 10 points offensively. I, I, I put that all on myself. I got to be better than that. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. A lot of different topics today. This show's been really fun. It's going to continue, I think, to get even more fun because there's so many different things on the table. Badgers basketball is playing right now. We probably won't even touch that today. The Vikings and the Bears have both made really big moves. The Vikings have their GM now looking for their coach. The Bears hired their GM, now have hired their coach as well, Matt Eberflus from the Colts. I think the Bears and the Vikings are doing some really smart, interesting things. That's worth talking about. That's worth the conversation. Nathaniel Hackett's moved on to Denver. How does that impact the Packers? How does that impact the Broncos? How does that impact Aaron Rodgers? A lot to get to, and we still get to talk with Mike Clements. He'll be here at 5.30 to talk a little bit more about Saturday's game. 
He was there. He was in attendance. So I'm interested to hear more of a firsthand perspective. Mike will be here in a half hour. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. A big thanks to Nate Myhock for being really generous with his time today. He's on WJFW up in Rhinelander. He's doing the news now. He's not even doing sports reporting. He's just anchoring. He got him wearing the big boy pants reporting on real grown-up topics. I could never. If you're just joining the show, we did a half-hour draft of the worst playoff losses in the Aaron Rodgers era of the Green Bay Packers. There's 10 of them going all the way back to 2009, right? And then after the Super Bowl, there were a bunch, and there's many different flavors, some on the road, some at home, some are blowouts, some came in overtime. A bunch came in overtime. That was the most messed up part. If you missed that, you can find it in the podcast, which I'll post just after 6 o'clock. And I also posted out the results in the order with, with, with which they're picked. And I tweeted out a little graphic at Wisco Grant so you can go see there. We were in agreement on the first three. 2014 was the worst. I got the first pick, so I took it. Then he got the next two. And if you were actually handling this like a real draft, I think the strategy might be to trade back. Because 2021 and 2020, the last two years combined, might be just as bad as 2014. I went 2014, then 2020, then 2021. Nate had him flipped. Then after that, we can debate which of these playoff losses are the worst, right? Were the blowouts the worst? Because there's one in 2016, there's one in 2019. Those were NFC Championship games, right? So do you weight an NFC Championship game a little more than you would weigh a divisional round game or a wild card game? Like the 2015 game against Arizona was heartbreaking and it sucked and the Packers probably should have won and they lost in a game in which Aaron Rodgers threw two brilliant Hail Marys and it was just a Herculean effort. However, if the Packers win that game, in the grand scheme of things, is anything different? Probably not, because they probably would have gotten waxed by the Panthers the next week, like the Cardinals did. That was a season in which they got blown up by the Cardinals in the regular season and blown up by the Broncos, two of the final four teams that made it into that uh, championship round the next week after the Packers were eliminated. So I don't know. I had some person in my Twitter mentions. uh, Was it Nate? Who was it? Let me go check. It was AJ said, Giants 2011 is a steal in the fifth round. Yeah, I got, or Nate got, the 2011 Giants game with the ninth overall pick um, out of a 10-team draft or a 10-game draft. I don't hold a lot of angst over that 2011 game. Nate had it pretty low on his draft board because he didn't think the Packers were very good anyways. I mean, that defense was historically bad. I had it down there because I gave him a little bit of a grace period. It's like, oh, you slept, walked in a season after the Super Bowl? Okay. In the moment, it felt terrible because they were 15-1 and one and they were so amazing and they lost. But in hindsight, we've seen that happen a bunch the last few years, right? The Ravens in 2019, both one seeds lost in the divisional round this year at home. So it happens. All of these losses are terrible and miserable. None of them were fun, except for maybe 2015, as we talked about. And maybe that was the one playoff win we should look back, or the one playoff loss we should look back and kind of laughed at. Because they weren't going anywhere that year anyways. The the other teams in the NFC, the AFC, the Broncos and the Panthers, they were just so much better. So I don't think in the end it really mattered. Again, you can go check the results of that draft at Wisco Grant, and I will put it in the podcast, which will go up just after 6 o'clock. Just search Wisco Sports Show um, wherever you find your podcast. It is on Spotify, by the way. I'm not going to pull a Neil Young and say that Spotify either gets gets Rogan or Bills. (laughs) <laughs> you only get one. I wonder if I have Spotify open on my desktop. I wonder how long it's going to take. If you didn't see the story, by the way, Neil Young in a protest over vaccine misinformation through Joe Rogan's podcast, which is exclusive to Spotify. 
said, you either pull my music or you pull Joe Rogan. Well, that was the easiest decision that Spotify has ever made. Not that Neil Young isn't a legend. He is. I wonder if it's on there. I'm going to search Neil Young. I love Neil Young. It sucks that his music's getting pulled off. Um, Yeah, it's pulled. There's only a couple things left, and it's like weird live cuts and movie soundtracks. Damn it, Neil. What if I wanted to use a Neil Young song on <laughs> the show? Yeah, you can find my show on Spotify. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. Just search Wisco Sports Show. And I'm not going to get in war over Spotify, mostly because I, I don't think they'd even care. It's like, who are you again? Thank you, though, for asking. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. Text and call 608-796-2558. Let's start with the news of the day. Nathaniel Hackett's gone to Denver. Kind of figured this was coming. The Packers got lucky the last two years not losing any coordinators off of their staff. They were so good in 2019 in record. Maybe not statistically, maybe not in quality, but their record got them to an NFC championship game. They're a very good team. And then in 2020, Aaron Rodgers wins an MVP. They have the best offense in football. They were humming. And to retain Luke Getze and Nathaniel Hackett and Adam Stenovich, they got really lucky last year. They were lucky to get the hits on Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas and to be able to bring everyone back. Brian Gutekinds did a great job with the roster, and it was a miracle that they brought everyone back last year. It was another miracle in and of itself that Getze and Hackett and Stenovich were also all able to return. That's pretty rare, which makes this playoff loss just that much more depressing because they got lucky in so many ways to even be in that position, and then they go and score 10 offensive points. What a, what a joke, but we've already covered that. So Hackett is gone. Talked a little bit about this back at about 420. There's two angles from which to approach this hiring. There's a way to talk about it without Aaron Rodgers, right? Well, how's Hackett as a coach? Forget forget Aaron Rodgers, forget his impending possible departure from the Packers, you know, whatever. Think of just Hackett as a coach, like Vikings fans or Bears fans. If your team was to hire Nathaniel Hackett and you knew that you weren't also getting Aaron Rodgers, how would you feel about it? I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested. I think he's a zippy coach. I think he's got zest. I think he's exciting. I think you could do a lot worse. I think there's a major difference between Nathaniel Hackett getting hired in 2022 and Joe Philbin getting hired in 2012. And I like Joe Philbin. I got a lot of respect for Joe Philbin. I was at the Joe Philbin game in 2016 or, or 2017 or no, that would have been 2018. See, I'm thinking of all these playoff losses. I was at the Falcons game in 2018 when Joe Philbin burned both of his challenges in the first three minutes. It was an inspiring performance. I have nothing but respect for Joe Philbin. But I think there is a difference between hiring Joe Philbin off the 2011 Packers and the Hackett hire off of the 2022 Packers. Like Joe Philbin's been around the block. He's kind of a crony of Mike McCarthy. Not that this matters, but he kind of looks like the character in Game of Thrones that steals Daenerys' dragons in Karth. Is that in season one? Maybe it's season two. You know what I'm talking about. Those guys, the warlocks in the tower. Like he's just, I don't know. I don't know that I'd buy a lot of stock in Joe Philbin as a coach. Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know. I'd be a little bit more excited about him. He could flop out too. He could fail as well, but I think he's a solid hire, and I think he's a hire that was made with the realization and the admission that the Broncos are playing in a division with Mahomes, Herbert, and Carr. That's a really tough hornet's nest of a division to try to come out of. And to hire Dan Quinn, yeah, Dan Quinn's a fine coach. But is Dan Quinn's ceiling leading a team and leading an offense that can compete with the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Raiders? Well, probably not. Very similar to Vic Fangio. 
or Vance Joseph. You need to hire someone that could be a flash in a pan, uh, you know, lightning in a bottle. You need to hire someone with some liftoff potential. I think Hackett has that. I don't think he's an old-fashioned feeling higher. And that's kind of what you got with Fangio. Although if they had the quarterback, it, it might have worked, but they never had the quarterback. Vance Joseph, it, it felt very similar to the hire that the Bears have made throughout the years where they went, you know, with a defensive-minded, old-school head coach. It's like, well, that's not what you want to do. That's not modern football. This feels modern, and I think the Broncos need to get more modern. Now, I'm going to play for you this report that Jesse Palmer made on NFL Network this morning. This is him explaining how the Hackett hire came to be and who was involved and the timing of it all. Here you go. Be at my home in Denver a little bit more if we're going to talk about those rumors throughout the offseason, so I know my family probably wouldn't mind. But this coaching search in Denver, and there's been a lot of them over the last several years, was different than the ones in the past. John Elway, really not a part of this. Joe Ellis, their CEO, who's going to be stepping away, and I'll get to ownership in a moment, he really not a part of this. It really was George Payton's show, and he was extremely thorough in how he went about his business. And you saw Ian talk about the timetable. He was really just buying his time and continuing to go through the process planning conversations like Ian said with Kevin O'Connell and Dan Quinn but until he saw dominoes potentially start to fall that's when he made the move and the move that he wanted to make in Nathaniel Hackett well how did he win this job I was told directly this morning it's because he gave the best plan to the Denver Broncos in all three phases offense defense and special teams and what George Payton really thought was an organizational issue that needed to change they thought Nathaniel Hackett really changes that and how he's able to address a room he owns a room when he gets in front of it Bucky they love the way he is as a teacher Peyton was looking for an edge moving forward they believe he is an innovative teacher in that sense and his connection to players in Green Bay specifically also his connection to his fellow coaches in Green Bay played a big part in what they fell in love with with Nathaniel Hackett okay so I'm a homer I'm a Packers homer I would like to see Nathaniel Hackett succeed good luck to him I maybe I'm looking at it through an, an overly optimistic perspective that all sounds about right and Mike Clemens could maybe speak to this when we talked to him at 530. He's been around Hackett. He's talked to players about Hackett, so he would know better than I. We'll, we'll ask Mike. But he was very energetic, upbeat, entertaining, very connective with players and people in the locker room. And it seemed added some fun to football, made football fun again in Green Bay. So that all checks out. I don't know what he told the Broncos about offense, defense, special teams. I, I don't know. I don't know. But really, if I was the Broncos, hey, speak to me about offense because we haven't had a good offense since early Peyton Manning. So, yeah, defense special teams, we'll get there. Can you make our offense not suck? So that's probably their priority. It should have been their priority with Nathaniel Hackett. As a coaching candidate, he's solid. You could do a lot worse. Now, as it pertains to Aaron Rodgers, this is a very NBA-like move, right? You got to think of recruiting how they might want to get Aaron Rodgers to Denver. This is what NBA teams do. They plan two years in advance for a free agency class. Pat Riley and the Heat, they're clearing money. They're getting ready for if Giannis wants to leave, right? You have to. You have to think forward like that because these massive contracts and these players don't come available often, and when they do, you need to be ready. So NBA teams are always scheming. They're always thinking ahead of, of how to possibly get a guy in. This is a very NBA-like move. My question... What if the Packers had won on Saturday and they're playing in the NFC Championship game? And then what if they win this weekend and then there's two weeks to the Super Bowl? Are they waiting to hire Hackett or do they want Hackett at all anymore? Or was their desire for Hackett maybe not 100% contingent on Aaron Rodgers coming to Denver, but certainly a big factor. It's a bullet point near the top of the list with Hackett. 
right? If they were to make a, re- a list of reasons why they want Hackett, the Aaron Rodgers connection, how high on the list is that? Or maybe it's the whole list. And if it is the whole list, look, whatever. I don't know if Denver has a better option this offseason. This was the part of the Jesse Palmer report that made my ears perk up a little bit. And I wanted to replay just this segment. This is 20 seconds from that report. It really was George Payton's show, and he was extremely thorough in how he went about his business. And you saw Ian talk about the timetable. He was really just buying his time and continuing to go through the process, planning conversations, like Ian said, with Kevin O'Connell and Dan Quinn. But until he saw dominoes potentially start to fall, that's when he made the move and the move that he wanted to make in Nathaniel Hackett. Okay. So he was talking about the dominoes falling. He was biding his time, interviewing Dan Quinn, Kevin O'Connell, right? He was interviewing these candidates, buying his time, waiting for the dominoes to fall. By that, does Jesse Palmer mean that he was waiting to see where other coaches went? As in Nathaniel Hackett, there was interest in Jacksonville. He interviewed in Minnesota. He interviewed around the league as well. Is he talking about the, the coaching dominoes? Or was he talking about the playoff dominoes, right? Is he talking about whether or not the Packers were going to win? Hmm. I wonder, right? I wonder how big of a priority the Aaron Rodgers thing is for Denver. Now, it should be a pretty big one. I would hope they'd hire Hackett because they like him as a coach, too. But if they only hired him because of Aaron Rodgers or if that was a big reason they hired him, I can't I can't really blame him. Like, do the Broncos have a better option this offseason? I don't think so. Would you bet on a Drew Locke breakout season? Or would you bet on the availability of Aaron Rodgers and potentially working a trade? This is what I talked about yesterday with the Broncos, right? The Broncos have been so bereft of good quarterback play, and they've been so down bad for the last six or seven years since Peyton Manning that they need to do this, right? And this is why if the Packers want to trade Aaron Rodgers, we talked about this yesterday, just kind of as a fun idea. If the Packers want to trade Aaron Rodgers, they need to target a team like Denver. Denver cannot afford to say no to this. Denver can't walk away from this offseason. If Aaron Rodgers is put on the table, Denver can't roll into week one next year with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and say, well, we could have had Rodgers, but uh, they wanted two firsts and we were only willing to do a first and a third. They, They can't do, they cannot afford to do that. They cannot look their fans in the eye and, and break that news to them. If Aaron Rodgers is available, Denver has to go all in. They're a team that's desperate. And there's a couple other teams in the league like that, but especially Denver, especially now that Nathaniel Hackett is there right now, probably the best option for Denver was to take Justin Fields with their pick last year, but they took Patrick Sertan and signed Teddy Bridgewater as well, which is like the epitome of the Broncos over the last couple of years. It's like, well, you could have drafted this guy, this guy, this guy, but instead you end up drafting a defensive back or a linebacker, an edge rusher, and you bring in Teddy Bridgewater or Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon or Brock Osweiler all these guys. It's very interesting. But now, Matt LaFleur's got to decide, do I promote one of my guys to offensive coordinator? Do I promote one to associate head coach? How do they go about trying to retain Adam Stenovich and or Luke Getze? That's the next step, and I want to talk about that. Coming up next, few minutes, we'll be back here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. Mike Clemens going to be here in about 10 minutes. We'll talk about Saturday's game, end of the season, end of the era, question mark. I, I don't know. 
uh, Mike would know better than I. So we'll ask him, hear from some players and coaches coming up in a few minutes. Give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558. Nathaniel Hackett out. What about Luke Getze? What about Adam Stenovich? What is Matt LaFleur going to do next? Also, the Vikings and the Bears hiring people. A lot to talk about today. Very little time. So we're not going to waste time. Chris is in lacrosse. Chris, welcome. What's going on today? Hey, Grant. Um, so, he, number one, mm-hmm. let's just revisit that game from Sunday. It is 100% the fault of the offense. Mm-hmm. It's not the defense. It's not the special teams. It was on the offense. If somebody had said we were going to give up 13 points, regardless of whether the special teams or defense gave them up, oh, yeah. should we win the game? The answer is yes. So, here's my fix. <laughs> Bring in Gardner Minshew <laughs> as the Green Bay Packers quarterback. Have everybody watch eight men out and just <sighs> turn the page on this darn thing. Let Rodgers do whatever he wants to do. Look, he's a great, he's a wonderful regular season quarterback that wilts in the preseason, and I just think we either need to put a roof on Lambeau Field so we can play offensive football like we've had since Lynn Dickey in the 1970s. We're an offensive team. We're not built for our own stadium. The fans want a home game in Lambeau Field. Mm-hmm. The media wants a home game in Lambeau Field because it conjures up images of Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr, who is, the, by the way, the greatest quarterback in the history of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. But the reality is we are not built for our own stadium, and this is stupid. We need to either become a defensive team that, that plays basically the San Francisco 49ers are the team that we need to be to win in Lambeau Field in January, not September, October, November. Yeah. And But I feel like Minshew, I know I'm the Minshew guy and you are too, but it's okay if we lose Rodgers. We're so concerned about losing him, and the reality is, We've already lost him, and and it's we're going to be okay. We're not going to go back to the 1970s, and I'm of that era. Did you ever watch Eight Men Out? By the way, I mean it's, I mean, <laughs> no, I have not. Unfortunately, look, Chris, I'm sorry. Watch the movie, and 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 you'll love it, and it'll restore your faith in in sports movies. And but but look, we're all hurt. We're all upset. I'm I'm not surprised we lost to San Francisco. I knew when when San Francisco beat the the Rams in Week 18 that they were going to get us. I tried everything I could to to wish that I wanted the Eagles in the first round and the Cardinals in the second round. But there's a reason for that. It's because I was worried that we weren't good enough. And 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 the truth is, if I was a man, I would have said bring on the 49ers and then bring on Tom Brady. Yeah, but I didn't want that, and that, and I'm man enough to admit that I'm not man enough to want the hardest path. I wanted the softest path. Oh, me too. And I can't believe another most Packer fans didn't want the same thing. We wanted the easiest path to the Super Bowl, and that was the Eagles and the Cardinals. And the truth is, we're weak. We're not built for Lambeau Field in January, and I didn't see any shirtless fans <laughs> in Lambeau side. Field, and I'm upset <laughs> and I'm hurt. Uh. And uh, I guess I just I feel like maybe it's just time to let Rogers go and do what he wants to do. But uh, yeah, uh, all right. You gave me plenty I to think, work. You play, yeah. gave me plenty to work with there, Chris. There's a lot to work with, and I promise by the next time you've called, I will watch Amen Out. I promise to you. Okay, friend? watch the movie. Watch that movie, dude. If nothing else, you will like it. I promise. But 
I, I just, I guess more than anything else, I'm just hurt because we know the window is closing and, closed. and we blew yeah. an opportunity. Yeah. So I think it's, I I think say, it's now but, closed. Uh, thanks, Chris, for the call. I want to, I want some time to talk about this before we get Mike on. So I, I want to talk about yeah. your Gardner Minshew. Love thing. your show. Yeah. Thanks. For, All right. Thanks for yeah. the call, Chris. Have a good night. That's Chris lacrosse. Now we only have a couple minutes before Mike. I don't want to rush Chris out, but the Gardner Minshew thing is okay. Packers fans here. This is something I've been thinking about, okay? And probably something we'll talk more about tomorrow. I see a lot of people, especially from the national media, saying, hey, trade Rodgers, start the rebuild. Start rebuilding. And again, I'm going to be more positive. I'm going to come from this from a little more rosy perspective because I'm a Packers fan, right? I I want my team to be better maybe than they realistically are sometimes. So call me if I'm being biased. I don't think the Packers have to rebuild. Here's what you do. You start Jordan Love. Maybe you bring someone in camp to compete with him. Maybe you bring in... You know, Gardner Minshew, I, I don't even know if you need Gardner Minshew. Get someone along those lines. Compete if you want. Go into next year if you trade Rodgers with Jordan Love as your starting quarterback. One of two things is going to happen. You're going to see that Jordan Love can be the quarterback of the future. And if that's the case, great. We have learned something. We've made progress. And you can act accordingly with the roster, with draft picks, with free agency money. Okay. Or you get into the season and you realize that Jordan Love is garbage and terrible. And if that happens... That's not the time to say, oh, my God, we screwed up. We should have got another quarterback. We should have brought someone in. We should have traded. No, 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 no. If you get to week six of next year and you realize that Jordan Love is terrible and cannot be the quarterback of the future, then here's what you do. You play out the rest of the season and you trade a couple of guys. I'm not saying they should trade David Bakhtiari. That's not what I'm saying. There's a world in which maybe trade Adrian Amos. Maybe trade David Bakhtiari. You get younger and you don't rebuild You reset. I know that sounds really corny, but here's what I mean. You go from David Bakhtiari and Adrian Amos being your highest paid players on the roster to now you extend Jair, right? Now you extend Rashawn Gary. You have Kenny Clark. Those are your new top end guys. Those are your studs. And if you lose a bunch of games under Jordan Love next year, you sell off what fat you don't need. You sell off who's expensive. You start to promote and pay the next crop of guys. And then you get your quarterback next year or the year after, whether it be through a trade or you move up in the draft with whatever compensation you get. It's not that complicated. The Packers aren't in that bad of a spot, even if they move off of Aaron Rodgers. I just wanted to say that. I've taken too long. we got to get to Mike Clemens. He'll join us coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Francisco is moving on with a 13-10 win here at Lambeau. And this crowd and that Packers team is stunned. You know, so many guys' contracts are, are up or on the brink or salary cap stuff. So a lot of decisions to be made. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. Sports world and football fans everywhere now wondering what is next for NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers now that his Packers are out of play after last night's crushing defeat against the 49ers. Rodgers says the loss was a shock and he's going to take some time to think about what might come next after 17 seasons with the Packers. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clements is now joining us. First of all, Mike, I love the very official sounding touch you put on there with the news report. 
I didn't expect to be talking to you this week about a loss, Mike. I was booking a couple of guests last week thinking, okay, we'll talk about the NFC Championship game. Nope, no such luck. Here we are, and the season is over. Packers knocked off the news. You know, yeah. there's the pandemic, there's the inflation, there's the Ukraine. No, we're going to lead with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he just drives views. People are listening, people are watching when it's about Aaron Rodgers. And then, of course, he went on McAfee and talked about it's just been a thing. It's been a thing this week, Mike, and I didn't expect it to be a thing for maybe another week or hopefully another couple weeks. I didn't expect them to lose in the divisional round. I thought maybe in the championship round, but the Niners, Jimmy G, they scored six points on offense, and they still lost that game, and it stinks. Um, by the way, um, I just got confirmation I'll be covering Super Bowl 56 so far. In the press box, very excited about that. Bill Michaels' show is going to be out there for the whole week, so we'll be talking about what's going on from whoever reaches the Super Bowl from Los Angeles, so we're excited for that. Now, I just want to explain to your listeners, um, yeah, I know it's now Thursday. The game's been over for Saturday. My, I'm not a fan, uh, and I'm not a critic, and I'm not a, 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 an assistant coach in the NFL, mm-hmm. but my job is to try and figure out what went wrong if you didn't pick it up on the broadcast or if you were part of the 79,000 at Lambeau on Saturday night, second largest crowd since uh, the two, 2015 playoff game against uh, the Cowboys, the catch with uh, Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. So the thing I want to point out is this. Everyone is saying, you know, Aaron uses the word rebuild in the postgame press conference, and now everyone, and then the immigrants once flips the switch. Oh, here they go. Yeah. He lost. They're going to move on, or he's going to want to move out, and they're just going to, you know, we're going to go to you know, four and 13 or something, and it's going to be a horrible drop for the next five years or who knows what. No. First first of all, what team are you following? It's the Green Bay Packers. They are constantly rebuilding, Mm -hmm. okay? Yep. I mean, in just the last two years through the draft, you got A.J. Dillon to replace Jamal Williams. You got Josh Myers at center to replace Corey Lindsley. You got Eric Stokes at corner. He played every game. And, you know, to probably push out Kevin King, at least compete with him. You got T.J. Slayton out there uh, taking uh, meaningful snaps in that game in the playoff and making some big plays uh, toward the end of the game. You know, you cut Kingsley Kiki, which is a strange story. We'll get into some other day, three days before. But, you know, and then then you go on on the street and you get Devondre Campbell, and he goes from practice squad to all-pro at linebacker. Or Rasul Douglas, you know, the story of the year, leads the team in interceptions, probably won two games for you, yeah. you know, had the dagger play. Uh, and in the opening kickoff against the 49ers, here they are with another big return up the middle, Evan. It's not Rasul Douglas in the middle of the field with the stop. Uh, 49ers might have had a touchdown in the opening kickoff uh, of their first possession of the game. So, yeah. Oh, and by the way, they drafted Jordan Love, even though they had Aaron Rodgers, and they felt that Aaron Rodgers had at least another two or three years in them after going 6-10 and ten in 2018 and you're firing Mike McCarthy. This team is constantly rebuilding. And you ask Matt LaFleur, is there a plan to keep as many roster guys as they can despite their salary cap issues? Yeah, absolutely. There's a plan in place. You know, we'll get more into that plan, I think, now that the season's over. There's no plan for a rebuild. I mean, what do you... We got a question. Hey, you know all your good players, Matt. Um, do you want to keep them, or, or are you just you just going into the off season with no clue? Like, of course he wants to keep as many of those good players. I, you know, as you're right. You know what? You're right to to say that. But you know what? Mm-hmm. It's on record, and then we'll let listeners decide. Oh, you of know? course. Yeah, yeah. At yeah, least of course. it's on record. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Then LaFleur was said, and, you know, is this organization, because everything that we hear is like, no, no, they're fine. They'll bring him back. Yeah. You know, just forget about the offseason sit out and all the other things that have gone on. Uh, are, is Brian Goodekinst, is Russ Ball your vice president of finance, is Mark Murphy your president? Do they all want Aaron Rodgers back next year? Every, every conversation I've been involved in with, uh, you know, with Goody and Russ and Mark, we're, we're all um, we're on the same page there. So there, there's no debate. Hmm. Um, has anything changed from the spring where you think the Packers would feel differently about bringing him back compared to what they thought? And by the Packers, I mean, of course, everyone involved, all those names we mentioned. Would there be a reason for them to feel any differently than they felt in the spring? Has anything changed, Mike, in your opinion? Uh, I think that they want to win games. But you know something? When Brett Favre heaved that ball in 2007, you know, to intended for Donald Driver and Corey Webster took it, Yeah. Ted Thompson didn't re, didn't call Brett. Brett took that to mean, all right, they really don't want me back. Even though we just had a great season, 13-3, we've got a young and, you know, a great team. I don't feel wanted. Um, I, I don't know if I want to play anymore right now. I'm just I'm tired of this merry-go-round of just getting so far. And I don't know, you know, maybe I don't want to play in three-degree temperatures in January and all that. Yeah. So he calls McCarthy and says, hey, I think I'm going to quit. And McCarthy said, okay. All right, okay, Brett, if, you know, we understand if that's what you want to do. And then, you know, the team calls back, Brett, about 20 minutes later and says, well, listen, we'll send a plane, and we want you to make that official. Yeah. Well, what, you know, why? Yeah. why? Who are, you know, I'm talking to you guys now. Uh, it's March 4th. you got two weeks before free agency, and they fly him up, and he does the tearful thing, and then he goes on Letterman and says maybe he's got the itch. Rogers assured us it's on tape. He says, I'm not going to put you guys through that. But he wants to see what's this team do. Now he sees that Nathaniel Hackett just got hired by the Broncos today. He's uh, an offensive coordinator and a great presenter that, you know, Rodgers has enjoyed working with. And the next thing is, what are they going to do about Devontae Adams? Can they come to an agreement? Is it franchise tag or whatever? What are they going to offer Rodgers? Yeah. What kind of deal are they going to offer Rodgers? So now you get into this game the other night, and the 49ers drive down the field and they get stopped on a fourth down, and now the Packers have got it. And there's Aaron Rodgers with four minutes at home in the snow Should've with the it. ball in his hands. Yep. And he throws the ball to Devontae for a yard or two. He throws one to Randall that's incomplete, and he chucks one down the middle to Devontae, who's clearly, clearly in double coverage. And Adam Le- and Alan Lazard is wide open over the middle over the big G in the middle of the field. Ugh. He didn't even go through his progressions. He just had his mind made up before the snap. He's going to take a shot. The defense couldn't hold one more time. They kicked the field goal. But you had that stupid blocked kick that yep. tied the game up, the blocked punt, all right? And on that play, you know, I'll, I'll play this clip first. Kyle Shanahan was asked, when you got into planning for this game against Green Bay, he said, all right, I got a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo that's hurt, okay? We're not going to throw the ball in the cold of Lambeau all night. Um, I'm trying to get my guys ready for a run game and, and so we can keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. And what about special teams? Their special teams is really suspect. So he goes to his coordinator, Richard Hightower, says, Coach, there's some things we can do here. We can roll the dice on a couple of these plays 
and maybe flip the game, which is exactly what they did. And Shanahan was asked about it after the game. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, Richard did a hell of a job. It was a big game. Uh, I know they've had some adversity here over the second half of the season, and um, and we we said it on um on Tuesday when we started. We we thought. Uh, our special teams had an advantage in this game and thought we thought they had an opportunity to possibly win us the game um, and be able to say that and um, to actually come to fruition those guys pulled that off was huge for those guys and huge for our team I just I mean Mike I hear where they're coming from I, I'm sure the 49ers put extra emphasis on special teams because they knew the Packers were weak but they didn't do anything insane like like the, the the mistakes that the Packers special teams made were so rudimentary when you watched it back on film you thought oh this this was easy. This wasn't complicated at all. They just they just botched it. That's frustrating to me. And when Shannon was asked, so then it's like fourth and one, and you hand off to Elijah Mitchell, who goes up the middle, and he gets he gets set, he gets pushed back by for one yard by Rashawn Gary and Devondre Campbell, and you had to hand the ball over to the Packers with six minutes left to play at their own 21. Did you think the game was over then? No, I was thinking that there's six minutes, and um, I hope we get the ball back and we get another chance. I mean, there was, there was some decisions there. Um, I was thinking, you know, if we kicked it, you know, we were still going to need four points to come back, so we're going to have to score a touchdown regardless. Um, so I was hoping we could get it there. Um, you know, it looked, I couldn't tell what happened, but they blew up. They blew it up. It looked like we got cut off in the D gap, and uh, the run didn't look like it had much of a chance. And I'm just glad. I think they went three and out. At, no, the block punt was next, right? Yeah, and suddenly that was our plan. And that was the best way to get a touchdown. And, um, but very fortunate and happy to get this one. So the drives leading up to that point of inflection – when he says, no, I thought we were going to get the ball back. Well, there was good reason because the drives leading up to that play were punt, 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 blocked field goal, punt, field goal, blocked punt. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, why would he mm-hmm. expect anything else? Of course they're going to get the ball back. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers couldn't do anything. Right. And and so now the Packers are punting. Corey Bohorquez is standing practically in the end zone. And for some dumb reason, the Packers are in a punt team that is only concerned about the return. They're not. They're doing more than just the gunners. The two guards on this punt team are Oren Burks and Chris Barnes, two linebackers. Yep. Your long snapper that you replaced Hunter Bradley with in the middle of the season is Stephen Wartell kid. He's a receiver. He's a receiver. He's a 225-pound receiver that figured out he wasn't going to get in the NFL playing receiver. And so he went to Pat Manley, the longtime 6'5", 265-pound uh, long snapper for the Bears, 16 years with the Bears. Longest run as a Bears player in the 100-year franchise of the, of the team. He's now consulting people because there's nobody in Green Bay that teaches you how to snap the ball. Of course. But he, made this, he taught this kid the art of back in 1.2 seconds with laces up, and that's how he got the job in Green Bay. Okay, so he lines up, and what does Hightower do, the special teams coordinator? He takes a, a guy named Jordan Willis, who was drafted by the Bengals. They released him, played for the Jets. At one point, he had to serve a six-game suspension for PEDs, but he was on the street. 49ers needed a guy when Bosa went down with that torn ACL, and so they sneak this guy in over the center, and all he does at 275 pounds is pushes this receiver, Mm -hmm. who's your long snapper, just drives him back, 
puts the hand up. It's the first time in the game they've done it because in the other punts I've watched, they're running him with stunts. He just goes straight for Bohorquez. Now, where's the protector, right? You're supposed to have a halfback there yeah. to, to luck that that. That's 41, Henry Black, the safety. You know what he's doing? He's going upfield because he's worried about the return. He didn't even look at the A-gap. Didn't even look at it. So, so Willis had that skinny little long snapper one-on-one and pushed him right in. The ball's on the turf. The safety picks it up from the 49ers. They score the touchdown. Suddenly, you've got a tie game. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable stupidity. And so, and then, you know, I'll tell you what, over in that 49ers locker room, I was over there. I, you know, I'd say it was a hell of a day. I rode up with LaFleur's parents really? after the game. Uh, they let me into the visitor's locker room, and there's Jimmy Garoppolo standing there in the hallway looking all GQ and stuff. And they were ecstatic. They couldn't believe they pulled off this win. Of course. And then and, and there's, there's Garoppolo up there on the podium, and he was asked, hey, how about Debo? How about Debo Samuel? I mean, the guy is limping and still going out there and making plays. Now he's a wide receiver. Now he's a running back, but as your kick returner. Can you believe – you ever seen a guy play all three positions? I mean, not, not really, but Debo, I mean, he's an athlete, man. He, he does it all. Kick returns today even. I mean, he, he was doing it all. And it's just, uh, you know, credit to the O-line, too. Those guys were blocking, blocking great today, getting after those guys. That was a good front they were going against, and they, uh, you know, got the run game going. It was, it was impressive. So, Mike, I, like, I, I'm not trying to poo-poo what Jimmy G just said. I, they scored six points. Like, oh, Debo's great. They scored six points on offense. And that just, yeah. oh, my God, it makes me mad. Yeah. And there's George Kittle, the passion of that guy. You see him yeah. in person with the, the tattoos and the yellow sunglasses talking about pulling off this win. This team has been through a lot. Like, we've been through a lot of adversity. We've dealt with a lot. We've lost games by making mistakes, and we've won games, you know, dirty. Um, this is a gritty team. It's a salty team, and we just keep bouncing back. We don't really let anything freak us out. I mean, when we played the Packers last time, we were down 17-0. We came back and, you know, almost won that game. Uh, Rams were down 17-0, and we came back and won that game. We just, I don't want to say we don't flinch, but we just stay calm. And, you know, we trust in each other, and we trust in the coaches. And this whole team's just full of football players that just love to play the game, and they don't really care about what's going on during it. But we're just going to keep battling, we're going to keep battling, we're going to keep battling. And then maybe we've been winning more than we have lost. Keep battling and wait for the Packers to not be able to get a field goal kickoff or their quarterback to be able to hit a wide-open wide receiver. I think this is why this game bothers me so much, Mike, is it's because I, I feel like the Packers lost it way more than the 49ers actually went out and won it. And I know they can talk about battling and all these things, but I just I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And to me, uh, when I saw the way the Packers just barely got past the Cleveland Browns on Christmas Day, thanks to Baker Mayfield, who threw four interceptions, yep. then had to go have surgery on his arm. He'll be out four to five months. Yes, you beat a Vikings team who, by the way, ended up firing their coach at the end of the season and then you lose to the lions the three win lions i just say and even though they the packers are pulling players off the field it's like this doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. this doesn't feel right and they're going to a bye week and i know that the media kept on asking questions about hey are you gonna get bakhtiari back what about zadarius what about jair all these seven or eight guys what about josh myers the center Mm -hmm. i i know there's a lot of questions but i'm thinking real real football wise these guys must be asking the same questions in the meetings every yep. day. Yep. They've got these seven or eight. And instead of going with the squad that got you there. And so here's, and by the way, did you see the story about Bakhtiari? Yeah. He's admitted now, 
He had his knee drained 15 times last fall, sometimes as much as four ounces of fluid. He said his knee felt like it had a water balloon in it where it would stiffen up. He couldn't bend it for a week. This is what he was going through while these guys were trying to get him back on the field. And I asked Matt LaFleur, did Billy Turner, who ended up playing left tackle instead of Yash, did he get two weeks of reps to get ready for this playoff game against the 49ers? Billy, I think we were optimistic early on, especially after David played in the Detroit game, that there was a good chance that David was going to play in the game. But, you know, it, it, it just didn't work out that way. So he didn't get he definitely didn't get two weeks of, of reps at the left tackle position. And then all the other decisions you had, you know, these other line offensive linemen, sure. linebackers, you know, Jair, you could see where he could come and play, you know, a role in the game. Yeah, that, that, those were all very, very difficult decisions because you think of all just, number one, you, you haven't seen these guys play in a while, so you're like, what is it going to look like? You better have uh, thick enough skin to be able to stand there and, and live by your decisions and know that you, you ultimately try to do what's best, even though it didn't work out. Mike, I we talked about this yesterday. I saw a video of Matt LaFleur answering questions about Bakhtiari. He looked pissed. And maybe Bakhtiari, I, don't, I believe him, he had fluid in his knee, but I think Lafleur kind of ran out of patience and, and started to think, why the hell are you not, like, why are you not ready to go, man? It's been two playoffs in a row, I'm not going to have you now. I, I just got weird vibes from Lafleur talking about his left tackle in his press room. Only the doctor, maybe the doctor would say, you know what, David worked it too hard. He didn't, he didn't give enough time to heal. I, sure. I don't know, who knows? And it's different for every kind of player. Yep. But at the end of the day, here's Aaron Rodgers. I've been covering this guy for 17 years. He 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 wanted a better defense. He wanted to get guys like Randall Cobb back. You know, they he wanted some snow and all that kind of stuff. And here he is at the short end of a playoff season again. And they start the press conference after the game. And I'm thinking, my God, this might be the last time I talk to this guy as a Packers quarterback. Here's how it went. We'll start with Mike Clemens. Go ahead, Mike. Not sure where to start. How about the? The final drive, you're trying to find Devontae and Randall on the sidelines, the shot down the field. Um, what was most disappointing? When, what were you up against in that final drive, Aaron? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I should have checked it down on second down. And they brought a pressure. We ended up picking it up on third down and probably had Allen on the deep end cut instead of, uh, you know, 50-50 ball for Dante there. So, uh, disappointing way to, way to end it for sure. 50-50 ball is generous on that, Mike. I don't, I don't, don't give me 50-50 ball on that. That was not a 50-50 ball. So, today, Nathaniel Hackett gets the job with the Denver Broncos. And in a nutshell, you know, he's a, no question how smart he is, how great his presentations are. He's He's grown up in the NFL with his dad, Paul Hackett, 49ers, Chiefs, mm-hmm. Pitt. You know, Mark McCarthy was practically an uncle when uh, Nathaniel Hackett was growing up in Pittsburgh with those guys and with the Chiefs in Kansas City. And to describe his personality, it's a little Ted Lasso. Yeah. He's so positive that maybe, you know, he can he can turn players around that way. Whether or not he's going to be aggressive, you know, can find that gear because you've got to have that at some point with these professional players. You've got to be a little Bruce Aarons, too, as well. And so uh, now, will he take Adam Stenovich, the offensive line coach from Green Bay, and make him the offensive coordinator? Or can LaFleur talk Steno and Getze into staying in Green Bay and, and maybe become assistant head coach and get pay raises that way? 
that you know stay tuned for those stories yeah i'm excited to talk more about some of these things it'll be interesting to see what the packers do mike i gotta go it sucks we didn't at least get one more week to talk about the packers this was a fun team and it's a bummer the way that it ended up oh uh, you know Stick. the fun is just starting in this offseason <laughs> that's true hey it's good for my job I-, I can't complain my packers fandom hurts but i know that we're gonna have a lot of interesting conversations over the next couple weeks so i look forward to that thanks mike thank you grant yeah, Mike Clemens. Find him on Twitter at Mike Clemens NFL. Appreciate his reporting as always. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.